You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. Nada is coming in to wear his Charlotte Hornets tuxedo t-shirt. I am sporting the short sleeve Charlotte Hornets hoodie that I just bought this weekend. We are excited to be Charlotte Hornets fans after the great news that we got heading into the weekend just last week, getting the third overall pick. It is crazy, right? There is, because of the pun that is appropriately used here, there is so much buzz around the Charlotte Hornets right now because of them moving up for the first time in 21 years. How good are you feeling even a weekend removed from the good news? It's feeling good. It's feeling pretty good. I I can't (laughs) complain. I mean, we got to get to the special guy. Again, we got to get to the guest here because, again, he's nice enough to join us right here, and we're a bunch of nobodies, or at least I'm the nobody, you're the star. That's what we're going to do. Um, That's fine with me if you want to throw me a compliment. They're few and far between. We'll get to Sam Purley in just a moment, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We are Locked On Hornets, local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. Subscribe to the pod on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, and follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. I'm on Twitter at Walker Mail. Nada is on Twitter at Nada the Scribe. And you can find Sam Purley from Hornets.com on Twitter at Sam underscore Purley. Sam, thank you so much for joining us, man. How are you? I am doing great today. Thank you for having me, guys. Happy Absolutely. Monday. Absolutely. Happy Monday to you. We appreciate your time. And there is no Doug to combat me when I call you a numbers guy. Even if it is no <laughs> insult, I don't have Doug Branson to say, wait, there are more layers to Sam Purley than just the numbers. And he is the math guy that joins us. And it's no insult, despite Doug trying to infiltrate you and say, hey, no, it's actually Walker trying to give you an insult. It, it, it's all, I'm glad that we can have this conversation without Doug Branson uh, crashing the party. I do want to ask you though, Sam, when we had those results revealed, when Mark Tatum actually did reveal that the Knicks were going to be selecting number eight overall, which meant that the Hornets would then move up in the NBA draft. Eventually, of course, we'd go to commercial break. We knew it was going to be a top five, eventually getting the third overall pick. What was your reaction seeing it live? Oh man, it was exciting. Um, Obviously working for the team, it's a, it's a, you know, you want to keep things professional, but I was, I was yelling at my house. Uh, you know, it was a much needed break. I was watching with my wife and kind of explaining how the whole process works. And this isn't the draft. It's the rights to get the pick to get in the draft. And uh, when they flipped over that card at, uh, at eight, I had to kind of like, you know, I've been looking at lottery stuff the last few weeks. And even then I was like, okay, we're sure this is happening. This is really happening. It was almost like kind of an out of body experience. And you're like, Oh, there's still, there's still no Hornets. There's still no Hornets climbing all the way up. But yeah, really exciting. I mean, really much needed after not being invited to Orlando. And, you know, there was a little kind of feelings, I think, publicly about, you know, Devontae not even being a finalist for most improved player, but coming on the heels of being allowed to do the offseason workouts in a couple months and then having this happen and jumping up into that top three was much needed, you know, boost of excitement for this franchise and, and perfect timing as well. Well, and you being the numbers guy that you are, Sam, how did you oh, wow. feel about the chances for the Hornets to jump into the top five or at least get something better than the eighth overall selection with the new process in the lottery we saw last year where teams were rewarded having not even had to tank in order to get that number one spot? Were you feeling decent about the odds for the Hornets? I take numbers guy as a compliment. I know Doug tries to. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, I, I love it. Um, it's weird because I think going into the season – and I'm always one of these people, like you kind of look at the lotteries and you see these teams that are really kind of going all out, losing on purpose, or at least really stacking the deck in order to lose on purpose. And they're like, those teams don't deserve to win the lottery. A team that deserves to win the lottery is a team that 
does things the right way. And the Hornets did things the right way this year. I know that has no bearing on the actual ping pong balls, but they didn't tank. They, they went, they played young guys, they developed them, they did things the right way, they learned. Um, so I was feeling pretty good. I was wondering if it's even possible. And this would be a numbers person smarter than me to figure out what exactly are the mathematical odds of never moving up in the lottery in a 21-year span. How possible. It, it Just with the way everything kind of transpired this year, it, it there was a weird feeling that maybe this was our time and it, it ended up being, again, I know that doesn't matter in the you know, back room area, whose time is it? But it just, I don't know. I think there was kind of a weird feeling here and that maybe, maybe this is the year after everything that's happened, this is going to be time for the team to get lucky. And it was. Well, and, and we had talked about this in the reaction pod as well on Friday about how it, there does seem to be at least some kind of narrative change with the Hornets as far as some of the good luck surrounding them with the second round picks like Devontae, who should have been in contention for most improved player of the year, PJ Washington having a good rookie season. And now they get a third overall selection. You know, when you're talking about the Hornets, by the way, who had all of this unexpected production to get them to at least the nine seed before uh, the bubble was revealed and they would be on the outside looking in. So, so they win games. At the end of the season, they're beating some really good playoff teams. And then they are rewarded with it with a third overall selection. Sam, I don't know how much better this year could have really gone, certainly given the expectations. How do you feel the year went, certainly given the expectations heading in? I mean, the only thing that you, you look back and wish was a little bit different is you obviously want to play those last 17 games. And that yeah, was, yeah. you know, something that was obviously not in the cards and to see things going to Orlando, but um, understandable that, you know, it, it was great. I mean, you had so many exciting games, so many games coming down to the wire. The team was putting themselves in position to win on a nightly basis. You didn't see, you know, 30 point, 40 point blowouts going up against these good teams. I mean, after the all-star break, they're going toe to toe with Denver. They're going toe to toe with the Spurs. I mean, there are a couple shots winning those games. They beat the Rockets, they beat the Raptors on the road, like beating and competing and then beating some really good teams. So I'll beat Miami at the very last game. So, I mean, I think the season was fantastic. Obviously the win loss record doesn't sort of do it as much justice, but you saw major jumps from guys, obviously Devontae being the biggest one. PJ was a huge surprise. Jalen, the Martin twins. I mean, really, you kind of saw towards the end of the year, these guys could be NBA players. They just need more time and experience. So um, fantastic year overall. And I think there's only more good to come from this point on. Uh, Sam, the one thing I would probably ask outside of like Devonte and obviously PJ, who was your biggest surprise this year in terms of growth? That's a good question. Um, you want to give love to everybody. Um, you said Devontae and PJ. I, I really think Jalen McDaniels was was really surprised me. I think watching him at Summer League the first time, my initial reaction, he, he's in his, this kid's in way over his head. I mean, just doesn't have the frame. You can tell he's athletic, but he just, this is a long way to go. Spent most of the year in the G League um, and came up. And then there was one game I think it was maybe like Detroit right before the All-Star break. He comes in, 8.6 rebounds. Looks like he belongs. He's making, you know, blocks, timings, making a couple corner threes, not having to do too much. Um, and he's even admitted that he's just taken a tremendous amount of growth um, during his time with Greens. But that's somebody that just like, I just didn't see him being a factor. And that's not a knock on Jalen. He just had a long ways to go. But he's really come on quickly. And you could see it in those last seven or eight games before the season ended. There's something there with him. So... Uh, he was a nice little find, particularly at the end, back end of the second round from Mitch Kupchak and his crew. Uh, one more thing. Uh, 
when we talk about the story of the season, how important was Greensboro to the entire story? Because again, you like you said, you have the Martin twins, you have Jalen McDaniels, and Devontae's growth could be attributed to all those times in in Greensboro, basically. Oh, Greensboro was huge. Uh, I I think you look at the where the organization from which JB came from, San Antonio, Austin Spurs have done a magnificent job of developing talent, utilizing their their G League. You know, Derek White, guys like that have come up through the the ranks. They're still doing it. Look at the best teams in the league right now. Toronto. How many of those guys have come from their G League program? Chris Boucher, you know, Fred Van Vliet, guys like that. Uh, it was huge. I, mean, I think it's, it's it's a resource. It's a tool. For, to develop guys, like you said, Devontae made a major jump, Martin Twins, Jalen McDaniels, um, Dwayne went down there for a little bit, Malik's been down there, I guess, in his rookie season. So huge. It's, just, it's, a, it's a resource and a tool. And I think sort of the stigma about the G League, it being a punishment or a, you know, like it's, it's being demoted to the minors. No, it's not like that. You go down there, you play some games, you come back up, you go down, you play some games, you come back up. Um, so really, really good utilization of it. And it's, it's definitely becoming a strength of the franchise. Um, and you saw that this year. Want to focus more on what's to come, maybe draft night, some of the things that the Hornets need to address next with Sam Purley. But first, I want to talk to you guys about CBDMD. It doesn't matter if you're a professional athlete, a stay-at-home parent, or you spend eight-hour days in an uncomfortable office chair. Everyone needs support to make it through the day. Luckily, our friends at CBDMD have an amazing duo that can help you relax, regroup, and recharge when life gets chaotic. CBD Freeze with Menthol is an award-winning product that offers instant cooling relief for muscles and joints in a convenient and easy to use roller or shareable squeeze tube and CBD recover combines CBD with inflammation fighting, uh, fighting co- uh, compounds like Arnica and vitamin B6 to give you the support you need where it matters most. And to make it even easier to try this amazing duo of topicals and everything else CBD MD has to offer. They're offering all of our listeners 25% off your next order. When you use the promo code NBA at checkout and once again, that's CBDMD.com promo code NBA for 25% off your purchase of superior CBD oil products from CBDMD. Plenty more from Sam Purley coming up next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. But what he showed in Summer League, comma, a Euro step into a windmill during a game, end of comma, could put him on the radar of a radar. Radar? All NBA. Yeah, on the radar. On the radar of (laughs) all NBA fans as a nightly highlight producer. Yeah, Charlotte, you're Charlotte coming out there. Yeah, I'm from I'm from uh, Catawba County. Put so, them on the Raider. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Sam, I want to focus on NBA draft night. So we have all of these different young players on the Hornets rosters that were kind of, I mean, it was not expected that they would actually provide the impact that they did, certainly at the end of the season. You mentioned McDaniels. He was the first guy off of the bench in certain scenarios at the end. Mm-hmm. They've got a couple second rounders to work with too. Here we are all excited about the third overall pick. They have the 32nd pick at their disposal as well. That's a real NBA player. And then they have a later one. You know, what kind of confidence do you have now in this organization, maybe compared to years past of what they can do with those later picks and not just their first round selection that they get? Well, ever since Mitch and his crew came in, they've really taken advantage of these second round picks. It's not necessarily something you saw in the previous regime for one reason or another. And um, they've really kind of made it a priority that you can still find guys in the second round. You look back at Mitch and his last few years of the Lakers, I think he got Jordan Clarkson in the second round. He got Avicca Zubak in the second round. He got Larry Nance. I think later in the first round or early second round. So there's real players back there. And, and you, you know, 
there's a diamond in the rough. And you look at Cody Martin was a good example, Jalen, even the undrafted market. I mean, you got to turn over every single stone when you're in the position that the Hornets are to find talent. You can't just rely on that lottery pick and go all in. Because again, Devontae, perfect example. And that was a pick the Hornets traded back in to get. So, you know, I think it's been a good focus and they've got a lot of second round picks coming up this year. I think they have two next year as well. Um, like you said, that 32nd overall pick is basically the end of the first round. So they should be getting a couple of good players um, in the draft in the next couple of months. Sam, what does the history of the third overall pick say about the player the Hornets will get? I know you've done some research on that. What did you find in your research? Well, it's been a pretty good run the last few years. Uh, Luka Doncic was one of them. Um, obviously, he's you know making some waves right now. Um, Jason Tatum has been up there. Brad Beal, James Harden. I mean, it's obviously there's a good good uh, you know history of the third overall pick. But you know, the, just like every other pick spots, you know, you have guys in the top three that for one reason or another don't work out. Whether it's environment, situation, you know, things are obviously a little tricky right now with analysis, and there's no formal workouts and things like that. So, you know, getting the pick is, I think, half the battle. Mitch has kind of emphasized that. It's exciting. It opens doors. It gives you options, more opportunities. But you got to get the pick right. It, it doesn't matter if you go up to three and, and you don't make the right selection. So there is a good history of it. But, you know, if anything, it just gives the Hornets more options. You know, maybe it's, you know, you get a better player or maybe you trade and get more assets, this, that. Um, that's kind of the biggest thing is it just gives them more opportunities to get better. All right, Sam, where do you think that the biggest skill set that could be added to take this team to the next level? What kind of player would basically try and take them? Like, what kind of skill set? Is it more of a scoring wing, or do the Hornets need more of that rim-protecting big man? Yeah, I mean, Mitch has pretty in, been pretty insistent, and I think you have to be with the way that the season stood right now is they just need talent. I think it's, I think it's you know, you've got to get an infusion of talent on this team. And I think... I'm not an NBA GM, you know, just lowly writer, but uh, the, I think you, um, you know, does position factor in a little bit? Maybe. Um, I think you, at least in a vacuum, you look at that center position, you have two free agents this summer and Billy and Biz, and then you have one more year of Cody Zeller on paper. That's a position in some capacity that's going to need to be addressed, whether free agency or draft. And then I think, like you said, wing depth. I think wing depth is going to be, you know, you can never have too many wings in the league, whether, you know, especially two-way wings, you're seeing that right now with small ball lineups. So those are kind of the two areas, but I think overall it's about getting maybe the most talented player at that top three spot. Well, we've heard some comments from both Mitch Kupchak and James Borrego just on how excited that they were to get the third overall pick. Did anything stand out to you from some of their comments that you heard as they've talked about it in the last uh, couple of days or so? Uh the thing that sticks out to me the most is, you know, obviously the draft process this summer is, is really weird. You know, there was no, there's not really any conference tournaments. There's no NCAA tournaments. There's no combine. There's no formal workouts. I mean, all this stuff that you use to evaluate players this in the summer, at least isn't there. Even summer league can be used in that. You see guys that are on different teams that end up on other teams in summer league, but Mitch and his crew have done a phenomenal job of scouting throughout the year. I mean, he makes trips overseas been to Australia, he's been to Europe. I mean, this isn't something he just starts when the season ends. This is a year round, you know, he'll go on road trips and see college games. You know, I'll take a little detour to this place, see a college game. So um, that's that, you know, mm -hmm. it's not the ideal scenario in terms of evaluating talent right now. You want to get these guys in the buildings and stuff like that. But 
they're as prepared as any team in the league right now in the prospects they've valued because this has been a year-round thing. It doesn't, I mean, it, it's, it never really stops. It doesn't start in May when the season ends and go to the draft. I mean, so I think they're very, very well prepared and it gives confidence that they're going to get the right guy at number, at number three. Sam, what's it like? Wanted to switch gears a little bit, but I know you also cover the esports affiliate Hornets Venom GT. I know you've been tweeting a little bit about that as well as you just covering them for Hornets.com. What's uh, that uh, been like for you covering the esports affiliate? Oh, it's been awesome. I've, I've loved every single minute of it. It's, it's weird because I am not a huge video game player and I've never really followed the E-League and kind of got into it um, when we found out we were going to have a team last March, I think maybe it was kind of when I was brought on board like a year prior Um, and we didn't have a logo. We just had a name. We didn't have players, nothing, still learning about it. And uh, this season they did it all remote. They usually go up to New York and compete on a stage, you know, five guys on one side, five on another going head to head and didn't get to do that this year because of the, the circumstances, but I, I loved it. I could not have been more engaged with it. It was the, I thought it was, I sound nerdy. I thought it was one of the coolest things to be a part of this year. Expansion team, uh, team that had a lot of success. They made the playoffs only second expansion team to ever do that. They won a playoff game last week, made it to the final eight out of 23 teams. So it was a huge thrill for me getting to meet the guys and the coaches and, and big West and Nacho and, type and all those guys and learn about the league. And it, it really, in, from a personal standpoint, really helped pass a lot of time in terms of the quarantine and, you know, staying at home and not having sports on. I was, I was tuning in watching even when we weren't playing. So uh, really, really cool. I could go on about it forever, how awesome it was. And I'm already kind of excited that uh, I'm already anxious waiting for next season too. So, so are you going to, Sam, are you going to pick it up, pick up 2K21 then trying to get a little advantage now that you've got like tips and you can go to these guys for like advice? I, I, I'm sure they would help me, but I'm so far away from being like competitive. Like I played a little bit like a training camp last year with like a couple of our producers and they killed me. Like they, they're, mm-hmm. I mean, these guys play, you know, it, it, it sounds crazy and they play 10 10 hours a day and there's legit money online. I mean, the, the finals this weekend or next weekend between uh, Washington and golden state, they're playing for $500,000. So if you have to practice them for 10 hours a day to make that kind of money, I'm, you know, yeah. go for it. Um, <laughs> I don't think I'm quite there yet. I don't have a system or the game. I might have to, you know, talk to some people, <laughs> make some connections, but um yeah, we'll see. I mean, we still got, I mean, hopefully quarantine and this stuff doesn't last too much longer, but I know the game is coming out relatively soon. So I might have to jump on and see if I can get at least a little help. I have, I guess I have the resources to help me get better in terms right. of knowing the, the professional 2K league players. It's just about getting the system in the game. I mean, you could technically, again, you could probably expense it, Sam. That's what I'm saying. Again, there's a way that you can possibly talk people into expensing these because, again, it's about immersion. You can tell better stories that way. Go yes. that route. Yes, I will. I will uh, I'll throw it on the company card and said it was just business expense. I just had to get better. It allows me to relate with the players and the team and the league better so I can dedicate hours a day at this game that I will probably never be good at. But uh, <laughs> And I've never, that's actually, a- I've never played any of the guys either, but they're... Uh, they, I mean, they're insanely good. They really, really are. Some of them 
you know, we've got- uh, yeah, I like that idea from Nada. So you go ahead and take that advice and also take advice from anybody named Nacho. I haven't met that guy <laughs> either, but that's somebody I absolutely want to meet. I imagine he is pretty good at video games. That was Sam Purley from Hornets.com joining us here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Again, make sure you guys go follow him on Twitter. Always putting up really cool stats during the season. Also doing some research on the third overall pick that the Hornets were able to get. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Sam underscore Purley. Sam, always enjoy to talk to you, man. Thanks again for hopping on. Yep, absolutely, guys. Thank you for having me. Always appreciate Sam Purley hopping on with us here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. But before we go to the third segment, I want to talk to you guys about Built Bar. It's back and it's better than ever. It is now the best tasting protein bar that there is on the market. It used to be already the best, but now they've made it even better with some of the new flavors that they're putting out there. Caramel brownie, cookies, and cream. I just learned about Cherry Barcia being the new flavor that they are going to be bringing up as well. Lemon almond cheesecake sounds fantastic. They also have carrot cake and apple almond crisp. That's already on top of the 12 original flavors that they came out with. Raspberry, German chocolate, peanut butter, so many other good flavors that they have out there for you. And the best part about Built Bar is that they taste great and they're healthy for you. It's kind of like having a dessert after you might go work out, go on a run, come back, get some of that German chocolate built bar that I was just talking about. And they're low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber. They're also great for the keto diet if that's something that you want to be a part of. The another cool part about all of this is that you get a free cooler with your purchase, and that is while supplies last. Go to builtbar.com and use promo code locked on, and you'll get $10 off of your of your next order and you can use promo code locked on for ten dollars at builtbar.com again that's promo code locked on builtbar.com for ten dollars off all again at builtbar.com we'll have one more segment to go here on the lockdown hornets podcast a part of the lockdown podcast network this is locked on hornets you give me a new adjective god you're just messing this up i I, you know (laughs) i just i spend some time away from the show and you're still the same old walker all right, yeah, give me a new adjective and give me a plural well, noun. I, well, I, I've already thought of my plural noun now that you mentioned it. How about, uh, well, I don't even know if this is plural. How about grape jelly? Does that work? Grape oh jelly is the noun I was going to get. A plural get. noun! This isn't hard! It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Another great day of the NBA postseason that we got yesterday. Luka Doncic. Yes, is awesome. Tying that series 2-2 against the Clippers. Donovan Mitchell, I mean, what he's done has been amazing in the bubble as well, more so in the postseason, going for 57 in game one and going for 50 in this 3-1 lead that they're now able to take over the Denver Nuggets. We're seeing some young guys really flourish in front of our eyes. What are some of the things that you've noticed from the postseason, not how crazy uh, did you think those performances were from some of the younger stars uh, in the p- NBA? Pardon me if I notice this, but um, I thought the NBA was dying and nobody was watching. Like, again, we got... Lo- boatload of Are you trying to bring up ratings combo again? Is that what you're I, trying to I, I, do? No, no. I was just told by Apple Care that the rating, like no one was watching, no one cared, there were no stakes, none of that. I was being told by that. Clearly, what I was watching yesterday with Luca and Doc, and again, I blame Doc more for that. Doc and Kawhi, but more than I do Reggie Jackson. Poor old Reggie Jackson on an island. Like, what am I supposed to do with possibly a top <laughs> seven player except let him bury something in my face? Like, I felt bad for Reggie Jackson. Yeah. If I was Reggie Jackson, I might have thrown a shoe at Kawhi. Well, you know who else is the scapegoat here? It's Paul George for having another Man. just 
horrible performance. He's not shot better than 23.5% from the field on more than 15 shots in each of the last three games. And I believe there's a stat that it's the first time that that's happened, a guy to shoot that poorly in three straight playoff games since Bob Cousy did it. Paul George is doing that. And what's hilarious about all of this is that he dubbed himself Playoff P after one good Oklahoma City uh, game performance that he had last year. And then he was not good the rest of it. Now he has this reputation as being this guy that has not performed well in the postseason, even with him being able to hang some kind of stature in his Pacers days when he was legitimately good, Mm -hmm. playing the Miami Heat, taking them to seven games and even six games, I think the year prior, the Pacers were a legitimately good team in which he was the leader of. Roy Hibbert, of course, we know how he fell off the the cliff as far as his production, but we get it, right? So Paul George having these awful performances, The Clippers gave up so much to go get him. And again, they did it because Kawhi wasn't going to go to the Clippers unless they got Paul George. So you make that even in hindsight, right? Yes, you do. Even with a 2-2 series tied in the first round, you make that trade a million times out of a million. But my God, they got rid of so many things. And if they lose in the first or even the second... Oh man, that's going to be Scary as about as unfortunate as you possibly can, uh, as it possibly can get with the Clippers, and we'll be questioning their future as much as maybe the Philadelphia 76ers with what they're doing. Oh, oh, oh no! These? Oh no! 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 See, here's the thing, and this is where we get to crow because remember everybody that was telling us, oh, the Hornets should just trust the process. Well, who's we? Because Nada, I feel like I was someone that was ready to move on from Kemba, and eventually you went on that side too, and so. If you're crowing, I don't know exactly what you're crowing about. I'm crowing about the way. Because, again, we didn't basically treat this like Cuddy. Again, we the Hornets did not treat their franchise like Cuddy, Cousin Eddie treated his yard from Christmas vacation. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm not saying there's a whole bunch of crap on the front lawn and we are going to be out there and shamelessly tank. That's what I'm saying. What I'm also saying is, at the same time, the only the worst thing that can happen if the Clippers end up losing in the first two rounds, they're just going to fire Doc and they're going to hire Ty Lue and they'll be just fine. You think that's going to be a move that would have you thinking they're just fine by yeah. doing that? Yeah, yeah, I do, I do, I do because I think if Ty- they lose, this is all hypothetical, right? Because I if don't think they the Clippers lose, are going to lose. I, again, if they lose, the worst that they're going to do is fire Doc. The Philly's got problems. Yeah. Philly's got problems. And I I mean, again, between the two pieces, the Chris Haynes piece in which apparently Ben Simmons did not like the way that Jimmy Butler was talking to him in the group text between that and then the Keith Pompey feature where or um, I'm sorry, op ed, where basically apparently these guys have been coddled like we had a whole lot of leaks there. That is a dysfunctional franchise that just happens to have two all-NBA-style players. So that's going to fail sooner sooner than later. You have a lot more problems than a coach can fix right now. Yeah, and I always would defend Brett Brown to a certain degree because I thought he was given a team that on the surface had two, as you say, all-NBA players, and therefore people are going to have expectations. Deservedly so. I get all of that. Mm -hmm. I also think it was always going to be really tough to have Embiid and Ben Simmons be your top two players and have that fit, especially with the roster that they were given. But now, and and that goes a lot on Elton Brand to me with the decisions that he made. And by the way, Elton Brand's completely over his head. I'm convinced of that. Well, yeah, it looks like it. And the decision that always baffles me is when they 
traded that pick to get Tobias Harris. And not only did they trade that heat pick, but they also decided to trade Landry Shamit in a way I didn't think they needed to throw him in to get a deal done to get Tobias Harris a part of that squad. You know who could really help them? It would be a shooter like Landry Shamit that they just kind of threw in to make sure that they would get Tobias Harris. And now what you've done is you've traded a first-round pick and you traded Landry in order to get Tobias, who also didn't perform that well in the postseason, said himself in that Haynes article you're referencing that he needs to look in the mirror and become a better leader, needs to be a better scorer. Maybe you could go with his role as far as Brett Brown handed to him a little bit, but still, I just... The GM decisions that have been made for that franchise and to lose not only Jimmy Butler, which was huge for them, but J.J. Redick, just the roster buildup for them has been really problematic ever since Elton Brand did take over. Not even that. How much do they miss T.J. McConnell right now? And I didn't think I'd ever say that. <laughs> like, just another ball handler you're like, saying? Literally, they, they had Trey Burke on there. Trey Burke went buck wild yesterday. Yeah. They miss him. They just needed a guard. They needed just a lead guard to take some of the pressure off. Should Ben Simmons want to do something? So they want to do something else with Ben Simmons, and they don't have it right now. Well, and those players in the comments that they had, where you heard Josh Richardson say some things that Brett Brown means well, but he didn't think players were held accountable. Yo. This is a guy that comes from the Miami Heat, where Eric Spolstra he would is know. going to hold people accountable. Have you ever heard of Josh Richardson joined Zach Lowe one time and talked about how crazy their practices are, but also respect. Like players, yeah. they they respect Eric Spolstra and that it ain't for everybody, but they all respect the hell out of that specific head coach and the kind of process that you're a part of. And it's tough to scoff at a Pat Riley or an Eric Spolstra when they have rings. You know, like it's really tough to do that. And Josh Richardson, I remember before he went to Philly, he discussed how tough it was to be a Miami Heat player, but how much better he was for it. And then you go from an environment like that to Philadelphia that seems somewhat laissez-faire with Brett Brown being the head coach. I bet that does, you know, weigh on players that have been a part of a structured system. Also like Al Horford when he was with the Boston Celtics. Yeah. I, I, I and even Al Horford, the, the most stable mind on the Celtics uh, team last year, when there was a lot of problems and beef in the locker room, Al Horford was the one guy that would come out and try to keep everything together. Yeah. On that even, Celtics Al, team, yeah. even Al Horford come, comes out and says, I don't know what the hell my role is. I'm frustrated with the undefined role that I have with this team. So Philly is definitely going to fire Brett Brown. The real question that they have is what are they going to do personnel wise? I don't think I, you have to trade one or one or the other, right? You have to agree. trade one or one or the other. And here's the other thing. And I don't want to see this happen. Hornets Twitter. Calm your again. Keep the powder dry. Let's not talk about again. Trading for Embiid. Let's not talk about trading for Simmons. I like where, where we're at. And it goes back to a conversation that I'll continue to have. I don't want Embiid here because I think there's a cap on big men on how far you can get. We're seeing it with Denver right now. We're seeing it, we're going to see it with Utah should they win the series. That second round is basically where you're going to go. Build around your wings, guys. So if we want to talk about bringing Simmons here, yo, cool. Maybe that happens. I still don't think the Hornets have nearly enough to do it. But let's start talking about maybe there's a cap on how far you can go. Yeah, if you want to bring man. this to the Hornets angle, because I've seen a couple of those ideas thrown out. I know Rick talked about Joel Embiid possible trade. I know there have been some other people that have kind of flirted with that idea. 
if you were to trade for Joel Embiid, then you would have to include the guys that look like they mean something, like Devontae Graham, P.J. Washington, first-round picks, maybe Terry to match salaries, just some of your bigger contracts. And then if you're Philadelphia and you see Elton Brand make that kind of trade. Oh, no, you fire him right then. You're pissed, right? Like, we can we can talk about this with the Hornets, and I've seen mixed reactions, regardless of what the right one is. I've seen mixed reactions on some of the trades and the scenarios that would bring Embiid here. But if you're Philadelphia, you, you can't be happy by trading either Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid and getting Devontae or PJ and first-round picks in exchange for that, right? Like, no. that's not anything that you would be happy about. I, I can't imagine you'd be happy if you're a 76ers fan and that's the kind of trade that they were throwing out. No, you chase it Elton Brand right straight out onto the New Jersey Turnpike. <laughs> like, no, no, no. Like, yeah. he's got to go. Yeah. He's and got to go. The minute he does that trade, it's like, yo, okay, why is my key card no longer? Well, and working? we're not having that combo, right? Like, the, the questions are. Oh, no, it should has, be happening, though. But I know, but we're. I don't think that NBA Twitter has had that conversation as much because one, he's relatively new in this role. I don't know how it's why, what couple of years that he's had this role. Yes. So the real discussion that's had is one, Brett Brown is the easy one. He's the scapegoat. He's going to be gone. I'm surprised that it hadn't happened already as of 1240 recording time here on a Monday. But the next question after that is the personnel decisions that are being made. And I don't know how many questions are being asked truly as far as the job security goes about the guy making those decisions. And if it doesn't work out with whatever decisions he decides to make, that's when we're going to have that conversation. Here's the scary part about the Philly thing. And this is something if you're, if you're a Philly fan and you're listening to this, this sounds very, very familiar. Doesn't this feel like a rich Cho era thing? Like where you just couldn't make it work with the star that you had. Yep. That's what you're saying. Yep. Yeah, and it and it's Kimball Walker where you're pay, overpaying for guys that are role players. It, it's it's probably relatable on a, a bigger picture. You're 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 putting this feels the Hornets, familiar. You're putting the Hornets situation on steroids, I guess, where they had a star but two stars instead of the one that we had here. They're both better than what Kimball Walker, even though Kimba's playing out of his mind right now. Excellent stuff. And we sent all them love home. to see. Yeah, I mean that 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 is awesome. Well, before we end today's show. It is really cool to see Kemba Walker performing the way he is over 30 points in a send home game for Philadelphia and Nada, the dude seems fresh. We were all kind of worried about his banged up body, especially at the beginning of this because it took a long time. Yeah. He had a lot of rest and still at the beginning of this bubble process, we were worried about his injuries and yet here he looks fantastic stepping back with the same kind of speed that we're used to seeing from a fresh Kimba Walker and he only increased his scoring output every single game in the series shooting 50% from the field the last two games he shot 37.5% or better from beyond the arc and Jason Tatum's doing what he does and has done for a while now but that Boston Celtics team ex- extremely scary and Kimba Walker has as much to do that uh, with that as much as anybody at least in the last few games here's the here's the crazy part to that whole thing we saw nothing but drop coverage from the Sixers on on Kemba and it was like why are you going under on the Kemba screen like mm-hmm. I got why because you have other guys to deal with but when's the last time you saw someone go under on Kemba repeatedly yeah you shouldn't be doing that with Kemba Walker and you haven't you haven't been able to do that really since 2017 so there you go Kemba Walker as a guy that is contributing for a playoff team that was one of the questions I think a lot of people said what is Kemba going to look like with a team that has a lot of talent around him and I think the answer right now is extremely well. And by the way, even without Ben Simmons, it's still a big team. It's still, yeah. And that's one of the things we've always questioned with Kimba. How does he handle size? Well, 
he handled it damn well. How about putting Joel Embiid on skates? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> like, here's the thing. I want to laugh about this, but I'm going to cry and be in the fetal position in about 15, 20. Uh, that's all right. I- I'll give you the love, Kimba. I'm excited to see you, and I think most of Hornets Twitter is excited to see what Kimba Walker is doing with the Boston Celtics. That wraps up this edition of Locked on Hornets. Thanks again to you guys for supporting the show as always. Now tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked on NBA. Also, a special shout out to Sam Perley for joining us on today's episode. Have a great rest of your day. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Mm-hmm.